When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Today, we go over Vikings OTAs and observations. After we saw the first one open to the media on Wednesday, we heard from Mike Zimmer and Adrian Peterson. We get into some uh, injury talk with Sharif Floyd being held back, some offensive linemen getting shuffled around, and we have a good conversation on Trey Waynes and where he's at in this second year of the defense. And then we end with a mailbag where we answer some questions seriously. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down and get a touchdown. Rock em, suck em. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer. I'm joined by ESPN.com's Ben Gessling and 1500 ESPN's Judd Zolgad of the Mackie and Judd Morning Show. Uh, you guys got a couple good reviews, a couple bad ones of our last podcast about Bud Grant. A couple people said, hey, I know it's tough to fill the airwaves here, but come on. Like, let's give us some more meat here. They, more purple. Yeah, more. We no, told you that during the course of the show. Bud Grant's remember. pretty purple. I mean, he's not not purple. But it's not breakdown. We didn't do a You're sufficient right. breakdown. We finally got to see the first OTA. So, at least Ben and I did. I what were the good reviews, though? What did they like about it? Oh, the good reviews. You rev- didn't mention the, what yeah, they liked. The, okay, yeah. We got a couple reviews basically praising the fact that you guys pissed me off. They let, they said they like when we derail it. Yes, and exactly. we've derailed it a minute into this. No, so. I'm just going to work on it though. It's those it's, of you that like it, you're welcome. Those of you that don't, the fast forward button will get you through <laughs> it just fine. Well, hopefully we won't have time to derail the podcast soon we with the Vikings did. playing uh, actual football now with the OTAs starting on uh, Tuesday. Hey, Judd, this what's that week? book you're reading? I think we should let Kramer talk. I can just edit all this out. I will too. I'm gonna make you're it. You're the seamless. one that has to go. I'm make it a seamless. I know. You I know. got a hard out time. I'm going to make it a seamless transition. I can edit all that crap out. That's the great part about not being on live radio, which is the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So really, you're just wasting Bummer. your time here, Bummer. man. Wow. You did, that was very teacher-like of you. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> if you want to waste your time, that's fine. Uh, 
Where were we? Uh, let's get to the OTAs, guys. How about that? Since you were there and I wasn't. Vikings started OTAs this week. Ben and I were at yesterday's, the first open to the media. And so we're only going to be able to give you insights, whatever you can glean from guys running around in shorts, but the insights of one OTA practice. I will break that down and get into overreaction theater. So, Ben, right off the top, what's one thing you want to overreact about after seeing one OTA practice? I would like to overreact to the fact that the offensive line is apparently going to have a completely different look than what we thought. Either the left tackle is hurt again, or he is not the starter. Or something else is probably going on that has some other explanation. But in the sake of overreacting, he wasn't with the first-team offense. John Sullivan was with the twos. Andre Smith was with the twos. What's going on? Is this going to be the offensive line we thought we had? Are we paying Matt Khalil $11.1 million to sit on the bench? Hold a towel. These questions need to be Water answered. Bottle. Yeah, it's spritzer. It just it looked like complete anarchy out there yesterday, didn't it? Yeah, Ben Matt Khalil was one of the players being held out. Um, he he was taking part in individual drills, but from what we were able to see from Wednesday's practice, he had to step aside during team drills. And we saw Jeremiah Searles actually taking the left team tackle reps with the top team. T.J. Clemmings working at uh, left tackle with the second team, and then on the right side we had Andre Smith with the second team, and then. I think the biggest thing I took from it was Phil Lodeholt jumps right into that number one spot of the offensive line group. Of are the you guys overreacting or are you actually Oh, this is all over. No, no, no. Anything, any observation we truly have as Judd sits back and listens, any observation we truly have from this, as Judd knows, covering the team for years, is overreaction. Any observation Right, because it means nothing. We can sit here and talk about Warren's Boringer's three drops. We can yeah. talk about Trey Wayne's batting down passes and looking decent. Cordero looked pretty good. We can talk about and, and how I said I will never bring that up because I just can't trust yeah. it. Until, Second time today, I've said it. There and you are missing the boat. What is the boat, Judd? Judd Judd's and big on a Teddy's. Simple overreaction. No, 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 no. I'm going to give you an overreaction that now has precedent with it. A long time concern. A guy who can't stay on the field and wasn't on the field yesterday, oh. and the head coach admitted that he's still dealing with injuries from last year. The China doll, Sharif Floyd. That's not an overreaction. I think the, that's a legit reaction. No, but I'm saying... That's but a legit that concern, is, but, I think. But that is, right, but my point is, if I'm going to react to something right now, it's that. This guy can't stay on the bleeping field, and he's a defensive lineman. I yeah, mean, and they just picked up his option. Yes. Not that they have to keep, and, keep that, but... And he's got... But I'm, when he's healthy, he's a good player. Yeah, he certainly is. But it's a legitimate, oh, it's a legitimate overreaction given the month that I'm reacting in. But this guy's not on the field enough. We were at this point last year with Anthony Barr uh, when he was coming off, and you're exa- you're exactly right. Now Sharif Floyd is entering the third, or excuse me, fourth year. Fourth year. Fourth. Entering the fourth year, third year as a starter, and now he's already had to miss at least four starts in each of his two years taking over for Kevin Williams, and now he's starting off OTA period off to the side, not working out with the team. Uh, and, and Mike Zimmer said basically the injuries were from last year, noting a knee that he had an issue with. He had cartilage taken out of uh, midseason last year. He had a surgery, and then he the also knee had. He had- cartilage taken out of yes right. not the ankle yes that became a point of contention briefly last year I always have interesting communications between coaches and media when coach just wants to say as little as possible like yeah. Mike Zimmer did that day and saying wait a minute cartilage taken out of the ankle yeah 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 he just says something like that then we all run with it and then it was yep. wrong <laughs> it was actually the knee yeah um also had the walking boot around an ankle last year so Floyd is dealing with multiple leg injuries that are apparently are still holding him back so Judd if you're talking about the one thing that does 
really should kind of be a red flag, I yes. think it's that. Absolutely. Now, Anthony Barr was not seen uh, at Wednesday's practice either, but I was told he did practice on Tuesday, and it must have been some kind of thing that wasn't an injury because Mike Zimmer said, I don't think he's injured. But here's my thing with Floyd that, that's got to frustrate them way beyond, like, a bar. Shreve Floyd plays a position where you're expected to play hurt. Yeah. I mean, you short of... Those guys are always there's always something wrong. Well, and, Barr isn't though. I mean, Barr does play hurt but, too, right? But Barr is a linebacker who's expected to do a variety of things, so his health is paramount to his playing well. Sharif Floyd plays a position where guys play at less than what ninety percent all the time. Yeah, you have and they just keep playing on every play. It's part of your job. Yeah, You're exactly. Going to hit somebody yes. on every single snap. Yep. Well, it's like offensive linemen. Absolutely yeah, correct. Yep. If you are in the trenches. But if you can't stay on the field at that position, this to me because Bar Bar does so many different things. I can see the problem of now if, if he's injury prone, that's a problem within itself. But if Bar is injured, it's going to affect him greatly in how he performs potentially. Sharif Floyd plays a position. I mean, guys at that position are always dinged up; they're always hurt. Everson Griffin played through the bum shoulder and Ben's most right. Of last year. And Ben's yeah. right; they yeah. just do it. They just go out there and they play. And and that doesn't mean that they're great players, but they still just stay on the field. He can't stay on the field. I remember watching Brian Robinson, and I'll never forget this. Uh, the, after they beat the Packers in Week 17 in 2012, he had a shoulder issue that year. He, he played the whole game, getting helped out of his shoulder pads. The 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 sounds that came out of that man's shoulder blades. It, I mean, it was it was. Both fascinating and bone chilling. Jared Allen. Jared Allen had the same exact thing, and Jared Allen was at the point. I want to say this was around 2008 or so, where where he couldn't get his shirt on by himself after games. They were putting his shirt on yeah. for him, and he played all the time. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying that position requires that. I think we saw Barr have to have Greenway help him. Put yeah, it was after he broke on. after he broke his hands. Yeah. And to your point, Judd, too, about how the diff- how the positions differ depending on how you're playing hurt. With Barr, when he breaks his hand, they can't blitz him as much because he's just not effective shedding linemen that way. That's exactly how it is. Where when you're a defensive lineman, yeah, it's the nature of the position. Uh, with Floyd specifically, uh, I, you have to wait until training camp. You have to wait until another season before you start writing that off but this is going to be a huge season for him because this is one where his fifth year options picked up but really after this year is the one where you start talking extension and what's your long-term future here and they could cut him with no penalty until the third day of the league year next year well sure sure yeah but just in general whether it's with the vikings or somewhere else it's this is where he's establishing his value this yeah his, his chance to cash in is now and then that's, based on what he does this year. And that's why I think, too, it's paramount for them to be cautious with him now because really it doesn't matter. I mean, this guy could sit out the entire OTA period in, in mandatory minicamp, and as long as he can be healthy in training camp, then, then they can see what they need to see and put their defense together. But the point that he's already being held out here, you're right, Judd. That would be probably the top one that we would worry about. Um, for me, I thought it was interesting that we saw – Terrence Newman continue to be the starting cornerback at age he's going to be 38 uh, I believe in September so this season he'll be playing the entire year at 38 I talked to Jerry Gray the defensive backs coach for a little bit after practice that's why I wasn't able to be at Zimmer's press conference and basically set the stage and saying that look what we're doing with this is basically trying to get Trey Waynes to grab this job from Terrence Newman, to have him be aggressive in the practice field, to have him want to do it. It's all mental with him at this point. And Mike Zimmer, as Ben knows, shed light on this last year, late last year. A few beat writers were talking to Mike Zimmer, and and I think it was you, Ben. You asked him about... Yeah, I think that was like 
a holiday or something. It was there were like a couple Thanksgiving of or something yeah. Yeah, around then. And Ben, you asked him about, well, it could be good to learn behind a guy like Terrence Newman for a year and kind of take that year as a developmental year, right? Asking about Trey Waynes. Mike Zimmer said, well, yeah, that could be good as long as he has the want to. And, and what was the wording? He said, he goes, yeah, it's not necessarily, because I think my question was, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? And he said, yeah, it's, it's not a bad thing if a guy is talented and wants to work hard. And then in that classic Mike Zimmer fashion, he goes, he's talented, so... And that's the same thing that's coming out of Jerry Gray's mouth this spring when we're talking about Trey Waynes working with the second team still in his second year after being a first-round pick, 11th overall. And it's the fact that they're looking at him saying, look, you're going to have to show to us that you're ready to do this on the practice field in the preseason because we're not going to give it to you. And read between the lines there, there's a sense there that he feels like it should be given to him. And you, we asked Trey Waynes about it, and he just says, well, you know, I'm just working hard. He says all the right things, but he's very short. He, he, you rarely get – you can't get into Trey Waynes' head, so I don't want to speak for him. We've heard that narrative come from them now a few times, and, and those things do not come from this coaching staff by accident. They say those things, and they word them in that manner because they are trying to send a message. With a guy that you took 11th overall – and probably spent a lot of time vetting. It's it's very interesting. Don't you guys think that, that yes. you're having these questions about the vetting, how bad yes. does he want it? Yes, when you consider the pride that the Vikings take in telling you that they send these players to eight psychologists and twenty seven doctors and, you know, all all of the all of the classroom and or sitting down and the talking. draft process. Yes, the yeah, draft process. Yeah. Yes. To me that's the the most interesting thing is that you are now sitting here a year plus in and you're saying to yourself, he's got the talent to take the job, but the mental ability, yeah, it's the, just, it's that's, very that's very intriguing. Now, if this was a third-round pick, you might say to yourself, okay, that's a bit of a gamble, and it's not working great, but the 11th pick? This is the highest they've ever spent a pick on a corner in yeah. franchise yeah. history, period. I mean, it, it, more than any corner but, they've ever invested but if in. And you passed on Marcus Peters probably because of character concerns. But if you're, if you're wrong about how Trey Waynes was wired mentally, that's on you. That's yeah. not on him because you had every opportunity to sit down and say, what do we think of this guy applying himself? And this isn't to sit here and compare him to a guy like Cordero Patterson, who by all accounts was never able to succeed at the level that they expected him to uh, in terms of the route running because he had the one year at Tennessee. This is more of in Trey Wayne's a guy who's done it at the Michigan State level, which is still the high, one of the highest levels of college football for many years. And it's more about, I think, them just wanting to – not give him that that carrot right away in so many words just saying that not wanting to necessarily just hand it to him i don't want to our conversation i think i didn't want to just paint it as well this kid just doesn't get it and he never will no it's it's his second off season really first full one and this is the one where they think they're trying to set the stage of like look we're going to put it here early for you you're not going to be handed anything i I think they're probably trying to poke and prod him a little bit too because that position and we saw mike zimmer do this with xavier Rhodes too where he rode him that pardon the pun uh, that first training camp, pretty hard. And Zimmer was doing that yesterday to Wayne. Yeah, he was. And we saw it a little bit last year, too. But I, I, I think some of that is, I mean, both Zimmer and Jerry Gray obviously have a, a background with defensive backs. But also, when you're out there, a lot of times in man coverage, or at least what looks like man coverage a lot of times, against these big receivers who are going to be talking at you the entire game, there's probably a little bit of it where they want to see what he can take. I mean, I'm sure that's that's probably part of the thinking is let's let's just let's agitate him just a little and see how he responds to it. Playing the corner spot uh, for this head coach is probably a blessing and curse, right? Yeah, because the curse is that he is going to be 
This is this is like uh, playing quarterback for a great offensive mind. Yes, this is his baby. Cornerback coach Deion Sanders because this is Zimmer clearly feels that he can take safeties, pedestrian safeties, and plug them in and make them work. I think his expectation for corners is super super high. That's a really uh, good point. Now the now now the the trade off is the individual coaching that you get from him is invaluable yeah. and probably accelerates you as far as as being a player if you've got the skill, but. This is, I would say, the one spot where you are probably held to a standard that almost nobody else on the roster is held to because Zimmer prides himself, rightfully so, on combating the passing offenses of 2016 with great corners. Yeah, and I guess I would caution, too, right off the top, and me saying this is overreaction theater, I would almost caution, too, what we're seeing in terms of the first-team, second-team stuff. Remember last year, Captain Munnellin wasn't the first-team slot corner through the entire preseason? Yes. That wasn't something where Remember we sat there it. and went, oh, I sounded week. the alarm on a daily basis and about kept, it. And what did I tell you, Jed? I always said, I think Captain's still going to be yeah, the starting slot corner. Tell me to corner. calm down. Didn't you have him on the air and... No, I went up to him. I, I went up to him after a preseason game at TCF Bank Stadium. Maybe it was two years ago. You and said yes, two two years ago we did. But I went up to him after a preseason game last year when I think he got maybe two snaps with the first team or something. And I said, "Are you surprised?" And he said, "Yeah." So that's why I thought that. But yes, but to to your point, when we don't see guys with the first team in OTAs. It might mean absolutely But I mean, nothing. especially at that position where Mike Zimmer, I think, knows what he's doing more than any position, or, sure. or whether it's on defense in general. I think sure. in the offensive line, you go, okay, you want to get your guys in there to work and, and know what they're doing. But with the defense, I think you trust what Mike Zimmer's doing because last year, like I said, yeah, you, you see Terrence Newman in the slot the entire preseason. And you're like, what is going on? Yeah, if here? Trey Waynes yeah. isn't the starting corner uh, opposite Rhodes on opening day, here's the thing Trey Waynes then we can be could be with the second team through the entire preseason again and be with the first team week one. And I don't think I'd be totally shocked yeah i i i do think that they're on the on the week one thing i don't know that i completely agree with that i mean yes you know we're talking about the 11th overall pick and yes you want to see him on the field but i also think that they still have a lot of faith in terrence newman and it's going to be a situation where they say you have to come in i mean like we're talking about you have to come in here and take it from him because we still think he can play now you would hope that by his second full at the end of his second full training camp that a guy you took 11th overall is ready to do that but i also think that it's not something where they're going to say okay here you go because we need you to do it i think they still think i mean that we all look at the fact that Terrence Newman is going to be 38 i think is a bigger problem than Mike Zimmer does i don't think Mike Zimmer looks at that and says oh man this guy's old he can't play anymore if that was the case they wouldn't assign him i think they still feel like he's got enough left to to be serviceable or better. He was certainly better than serviceable last year. The most interesting thing I want to watch, too, in the secondary in general moving forward through OTAs and into training camp is that relationship between Mike Zimmer and Trey Waynes and seeing how much, because we saw it again, like I said before, Ben, on Wednesday, yesterday, seeing Mike Zimmer kind of bring him out, whether it's after a rep, bringing him off to the side, talking to him, or uh, coaching him during a drill, just the different kind of ways that you can see that he just he's focusing his attention very yeah. much on him, even though Terrence Newman's the one running uh, along with Tr- uh, Xavier Rhodes and uh, Captain Mundelein. Um, the other stuff that we took away from this OTA, Moritz Boringer might have some some bit to go. Right? Tell Mackie that Phil's very upset. Phil? Oh, it's his Mister Mankato, right? Well, and he thinks that Ben was was purposely trying to yeah, to play up. up. He so Ben Ben did did the note on ESPN.com yesterday about 
boards and Boringer's bad day and what three drops, two yeah. drops and one drop on a diving catch. Yep. And so I asked Phil about this because Phil thinks the guy's going to make the 53-man roster. And he accused <laughs> Gessling of attempting to sabotage poor Moritz already by calling him out for this stuff. I just said, look, you guys have been to two practices. At the first one, he puked on his shoes. Oh, yes. And at yeah. the second one, he dropped three passes. Yep. The guy is not making the 53, and he's going to be on the practice squad and just accept it. It's like that I'm in Phil's head. I mean, on the Mr. Wait, does Phil, does Phil think he's trying to bury Boringer because of the Mr. Mankato Award or just like out of some random vendetta for Eastern Europe like or a, for European it guys? It sounds like guys, it's random. He changed the umlaut. He doesn't have the OE anymore. He's not helping me get people to pronounce my last name correctly. That's why. He sold me out. That's why. That's it. So oh, you here you a, go, Phil. Oh, There's you my do secret have an agenda. agenda. You do have an agenda, Gessling. Oh, my God. It's the second week in a row we got Ben's octave level just way up there. Mitch Leidner yeah. also has the two vowels. Probably also a German last name. Oh, let's not talk about Mitch Leidner, please. Um, Moritz, get me going? from what we saw, was able to uh, look like an NFL wide receiver in terms of his size and speed and everything the Vikings saw on the German YouTube. Um, <laughs> but when the ball... I, I don't trust that when German the bo- YouTube yeah, no When more. the ball got to the point it of him catching computer. it, he uh, <laughs> dropped it like Troy Williamson did or Troy Studemeyer, the poor ex-gopher who also couldn't hold on to the football yesterday. That's okay, though, because, I mean, you got Cordero, right? So things will be fine. Cordero looked great yesterday. And he's not joking. Speed jo- of overreaction. He's I not said, joking. I he s- looked great. Okay. He's not joking. All right, let's all calm down for a second. <laughs> I did say... I Voice did of say, reason here, folks. The one, the Sports one que- Grinch bringing it back down to earth. The one question, and I think both you guys talked to this guy, and, and he talked about it a few months ago, but certainly it's uh, being talked about more and more now is the Charles Johnson case, right? I mean, Charles Johnson continues to say, yeah, I had a broken rib. Uh, he was he was asked the question if it came out of place yesterday, and he said, yeah, it did. It would click out of place early on, so it basically dislocated itself. And he told and us to go back pop in. in and out when he'd run. Pop in and out, yeah. yeah. But yeah, anyway, my we point... We talked to him about that down in Caledonia, didn't we? My, no. point be, my point being now, I'm very curious with him back to full health when training camp starts... I would think that he, he would get a decent chance to make this team and contribute now. And now Ben and I on, on the radio show disagreed a little bit because my point is if it comes down to Patterson or Johnson, one is I want to know what the value of kickoff returns is going to be because at least Johnson and Bridgewater have some chemistry. As far as a receiver goes, Cordero and Bridgewater got nothing or had nothing if previously. You're, if you're picking between the two, I think think they would go Patterson. That's what Ben was saying. Yeah, and I, I think that's solely because of one with the general manager invested in him, period. That still holds weight. It did with Christian Ponder that final year. That's how it works. That's how people lose their jobs. <laughs> and I'm going to let that hang there. Pride goeth before the fall, Rick. Listen to me, Rick. And Charles Johnson is a guy that gives you no value unless he's catching passes from Teddy Bridgewater. And the Cordero's just the opposite. And that actually works in Cordero's favor in that sense that if he's going to be the fourth, fifth, sixth receiver, uh, then that's just what you're going to do. Well, and I think they still think that even with the new touchback rule that Cordero is going to have a lot of value as a return man. I, I talked to Mike Prefer about that a couple months ago, and he said, we're still going to have him bring it out because he can hit a home run on just about any play. Now, if he gets into situations where he's not getting to the 25, then maybe you rein it in a little bit and you see how teams approach him on kickoffs if that's any different. But they still feel like he's dangerous enough that he's going to be back there getting a green light. And because of that, I don't see how he's not on the roster. And because of what Andrew mentioned, I think that makes sense too. I want to know um, how he's going to top the either the headbutting the Mason Crosby the getting stripped by the Mason Crosby or the diving into the end zone or the stands after they're down 38 nothing. I just I love the highlights and going over them because then when I see Cordero like we did yesterday, catching passes, making 
what look like crisp cuts, doing all those kinds of things that you see and we have seen before in practices. Yeah. And you just go, what? why can't this guy put it together? He's so talented. You see every reason why they would trade up to draft him. And then when he gets into a game, you remember every reason why he's never in a game. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to be very interesting to see if they, I mean, I I tend to still think, you know, taking the overreaction hat off here for a minute, I still tend to think you've got to show us something when it matters for anybody to believe that there's any substantive change going on here. But if they could ever figure it out with him, man. His replacement's already on the roster. They've already moved on. Like, I totally understand that. And, and he's, I but still, if you get him to do it, too, like, that's just holy it. cow. Yeah, he's but so talented. Keep in, mi- keep in mind, guys, he now, with this coaching staff, he can't even get on the field to show that he can't do it. It's not like he's, he's getting regular snaps and dropping passes. He's not even getting on the field. So they clearly need to see more in practices yes. th- yeah. that ordinarily Absolutely. are closed to us. Yep. To even put him on the football field offensively, yeah, and especially now that you have Jarek McKinnon doing a lot of the the versatile guy that can line up anywhere on the field kind of even stuff. Even a guy like Diggs, Thielen, they have so many of their yeah, other guys that right. do that kind of gadget. That's why stuff. I'm curious to see what co-offensive coordinator Pat Shermer will be doing this season to try and get more out of Cordero. It's the second time you've done that today. There is no question in my mind. Let's can we please give this up? Can we can we help the fan base out? You have two offensive coordinators. Norv Turner wait, wait, wait. and Pat Schurter. What about Tony uh, Sperano here? I think he's you helping run, out. But you got like a run game coordinator experience he Yeah, has. no, no, and that's a good point. That's a very good point. Try coordinators. It's fine. But I'm saying, if you for one second think that Teddy Bridgewater and the passing game and the shotgun isn't partially being run by Pat Shermer, you're on drugs. <laughs> you're, you're delusional. You know, this is the biggest This is the biggest bunch of BS ever to call this guy the, the tight end. So coach. then, Judd, what, what do you say? Because there was one of my favorite uh, um, commenters and, and tweeters, people that just rail on everything I say, also hates you uh, by chance and said when Adrian Peterson said yesterday, I'm still focused on working on my deficiencies. I'm still focused on the shotgun handoffs. I'm still focused on sure. the Yeah, I run stuff. that Twitter account. <laughs> I was going to say, you then, Ben, or somebody just who lives to be a troll for us said, well, yeah, Judd, well, how about now? How about now, Judd? Adrian's working on it. He yeah, says he's great. working on it. How he's about nine now? years in. He's going in, going into year 10. The only way they're going to get more out of Adrian Peterson in any of those situations is for Shermer to actually come in with some ideas of, of using McKinnon and Peterson together. I mean, Adrian, come on. Do we really think? And I am here. I'm Here's what. Bottom line, I'm curious about. Do we see anything that indicates to us that Adrian's even worked on these things, which we might? Do I think he's going to be good at them? Ten it's, years in? Again, come, and these know. are things we're not going to be able to know in May and June because, one, we'll never see him pass protect without pads on. Two, but how shocked are you going to be in week one against the Titans? Oh, very. If they no, no, I'm not expecting it yeah, at all. Yeah, you're going to no, say No, I'm not expecting it yeah. at all. I'm expecting Jared McKinnon to have a much bigger role but, in this offense because he should. And I'm expecting Adrian to. But my goal, my goal for this season alone is for people to start calling Shermer co-offensive coordinator. That's my goal. Both of Judd's pet talking points in the last minute here of Adrian being more versatile and (laughs) how Pat Shermer is really. Yeah, but I'm moving on from tight end. I'm I'm done with this tight ends coach thing. I refuse. I am not going to refer to this guy's tight ends coach again. Yeah, he's coaching three guys. Former head coach and offensive coordinator. Four, five, maybe. Yeah, Michael Pruitt's a project. What a bunch of BS. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go on. Let's get to a mailbag, huh? 
I suppose we didn't talk about, uh, we should just note, I guess, as as Ben alluded to uh, earlier, one guy is done for the year in uh, second-year defensive lineman B.J. DuBose, who tore his ACL on Wednesday during practice. Uh, team drill got had to get helped off the field um, after injuring his knee. Uh, other than that, they seem to be somewhat healthy, short of Shuri Floyd and Matt Khalil being held back a little bit. So yeah, I think I mean for the most part, right? Uh, I mean, Red Ellison obviously is still recovering from the torn patellar tendon. Um, what was going on there yesterday? Brandon Watts was held back. We did not see the new linebacker Travis Lewis. No, we didn't. Uh, and then also Lodeholt Sullivan are out there practicing, but we're not going to know anything until August regarding their abilities to take a 350 pound uh, man. So let's get to a mailbag, gentlemen. Okay, let's do that. Mailbag time. Don't like it. We lost Kramer. One of these questions was one that I knew Joe was going to love, and we were just talking about. I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find it. No, he's going to edit it. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, piss off. This is where the this is where (laughs) the definitely editing it now. If you leave it now, I'm definitely editing. If you leave it where we sound bad and you don't, we're going to be bitter about that. I do that every episode. Sure you do, (laughs) and I don't really care. That's fine. My more would leave all of that. I might. Who knows? No, I might. Not going through. I might. Meticulous. You never know. I might. Okay. Um, yeah. Ah, there it is. Billy would like to know at what point in the season, if the offense is still struggling, yep. should Norv Turner's head be called for? Judd, this is all you, Judd. I'm not even going to give an opinion. I'm on not. This. Well, hold on a second here. I've never done that, and I don't blame. I don't, takes coming through, folks. No, I don't blame him for the struggles. What I'm saying is the Vikings went out after the season. This was the Vikings. This was not me. The Vikings <laughs> went out and hired someone to assist Norv Turner directly in how the o- offense is run. And to your point, Kramer, they basically went and got two people to do it. Uh, I have never called for Turner's job. I'm not going to now. I, guess what may- I don't think there should be a time this season. But if the offense struggles, I think that you have to blame Norv. Shermer and Sprano. Blame them all. They're all offensive coordinators of some sort. I mean, they're all, it's just, it's. You're saying the titles don't matter. It's not like if in the middle of the season they say, okay, now Pat I'm, Shermer's I officially. Think what the he's guy. doing here is setting up a schematic by which he can call for three people's heads at the same yeah, time bowling. in the middle of the year. It's like bowling. Oh I'm just gonna let I'm just gonna let the thing Fireball! go. And I might hit and I might hit one pin, I might hit three pins. That's the Grinch bowling. But I'm not calling I'm not calling for Turner's head. What I'm saying is it's crystal clear to me that Mike Zimmer wasn't pleased with what his offense didn't do last season. He fired his offensive line coach, and under the guise of a tight ends coach, he brought in a second offensive coordinator who probably has been told with a handshake, you are going to succeed Norv because Norv told us he's going to coach, take your pick. One well, and he's ba- he basically said, I think at one point, I could have hired a tight ends coach anywhere, that I wanted to get a guy of Pat Shermer's sure. experience in here because I thought he could bring more to the table. Ultimately, if you want my outside complete guess on this, I think what this also does is this eliminates any thought that there was going to be a succession plan of Norv into Scott Turner. If, yes, if there I was, would agree with if that. If there was a thought that Scott, and there very well might have been at one time, Norv's going to take this job for a couple of years, and then he's going to ride off in the sunset, and his son's going to replace him. This ends that because now When Pat has Schirmer's that ever happened in the NFL? Has that ever happened in the NFL? Directly? I don't know. I've mean, certainly a seen father hands of... a son a job, or even where an offensive well, coordinator outgoing retiring can pick his successor. I'm not saying it's... That doesn't happen. I know, but I just I'm not think... saying it's been done, but what I'm saying is if North thought, thought that was going to happen, that now it's gone. thought was flawed in general, because oh, that sure. never happens, sure, sure. and but that it... wouldn't happen. But I'm not anti-Norv. I yeah. just I just see what the Vikings did. Maybe it did. was more so 
grooming him to be an OC somewhere else and having that his because be. he I know Scott got more responsibilities in the play calling and the game planning leading up to things uh, during the middle of the week last year. Those kinds of things I give, were. I give Mike a lot of credit. I think Mike came in here knowing what he didn't know. And so he went and got a former head coach to be his OC. And to me, that's gutsy because there's a lot of guys that wouldn't have done that in a thousand years because, because of fear of, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to know more about offense than me. Yep. I think two years into it, Mike knows a lot more now. And so Mike makes adjustments. And Mike has an ego where he's not afraid to be like, well, Shermer and Turner aren't going to get along. And so I think this is I think what we're seeing is the evolution of Zimmer in running a football program. I also know that Mike spent some time after or before last season uh, learning offensive strategy from a current NFL head coach that he trusts because he wanted to get more up to speed on the intricacies of how it all works. So he, he I think we could certainly say he is trying to get more educated and get to a point where he can have more say. And I know he was also more involved on the headset during the season, kind of getting more comfortable weighing in on those things. And I think that the curve is certainly pointing in that direction, that he's going to be more involved that way. Remember Leslie Frazier not being involved? And this, when you're talking about that, Mike Zimmer being involved in the headset stuff, it made me hark back to, was it 2013? Bears game. Yes, 2013 when Allen Williams oh. was making a call that not all the players on the field agreed with. Leslie Frazier was asked after the game, had he stepped in? And, of course, they lost that game on the last-second touchdown pass to Martellus Bennett. Sure. And there was, Leslie was asked after that game, did you kind of interject and have your own opinion on what was going on? And he just said, no, I wanted to step back and let my guys do my thing. And now, and then he second-guessed himself the next week that absolutely. he said he should have done something different. And, and while Mike Zimmer certainly is not perfect and has second-guessed himself on in-game decisions like every coach would, you're seeing at least that evolution of him as a head coach when only, he's only in his third season. Is that, that drive to me, and I've only covered the team for four years, but I have not seen a bigger cluster Oh, that from this Bears game? than that drive. Oh, week, week two in Soldier Field, oh 2013. 2013, where Chris Cook is sitting there, like basically begging for someone to come over and help do you him. Guys, do you guys, you probably don't recall uh, Leslie's first season, I believe, when. 2011? When. Or 20, 2011, which first full season. The 313 season, right? Yeah. Where Cedric Griffin, I, I want to say, started to play his own techniques. So he would. So Cedric Griffin had been hurt a lot and was not good by this point. And so he decided to freelance completely. So if they called for zone at times, he'd try and play man or vice versa. Jeez. And the whole thing went haywire. Went haywire. Now, where Zimmer, where Zimmer runs a tough tightrope is this. And, and all coaches who are really good on one side of the ball have this problem. When you make yourself the de facto coordinator and you've got to flip back and forth on, on headset, if you try and go to the other side to make suggestions, that gets to be very tough because you are literally trying to coach, in Zimmer's case, defense, and now you see something on offense and you flip flip the headset. Well, to Leslie talk. was a defensive guy. No, no, yeah. but, but my point is with Mike, yeah. where Mike runs a tough tightrope here yeah. is a lot of times that's why coaches don't also, okay. also want to coordinate a side of the ball because they, they want the freedom when a set of downs is done to just – flip their headset over and go to offense or defense where it's tough for Mike is he runs the defense. So it's admirable that he's weighing in on the offense, 
but one person can only stay engaged with so much. He said that before, too. Where so that makes it tough. At, like If the offense is on the field, and this would have been his first or second year, obviously, as a head coach, and he's trying to go over something during the break with the defense, whether it's the defensive backs, yes. and all of a sudden they say, Coach, do you want to challenge this? And he's like, well, I was not watching I what was going on. <laughs> and, and there are times, now I'm, I'm not sure if this is true with Mike, but there's times when I've seen coaches who try and coordinate one side of the ball where they'll be have their back turned basically. Yeah. So yeah. They'll, they'll be like going back to the That's exactly I'm sure to the quarterback yeah. if they're trying yeah. to do offense and they'll have their back turned <laughs> and something will happen on defense yeah. and then they'll t- turn around and be like what what happened? So that's the one thing with Mike. That's why you want somebody who's really strong on the offensive side of the ball because to expect his full engagement on offense when he's trying to coach up defense gets to be really really dicey. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we certainly see it on game day. I mean, you watch games on TV, obviously. And there are times where you think, man, this move's really slow. But, I mean, even when we're doing, and I, I don't want to trivialize this by saying that what we do is, is similar to what they do, but when you're there and you're doing three different things and you're writing and, and watching the game and all this stuff, it's like, man, these things move a lot faster than they do on TV. And, and imagine Especially- the speed of it for somebody who is coaching uh, Jay-Z's hoodie would like to know, outside of Bud Grant, could any other past Vikings coach have squeezed 11 wins out of last, last year's team? Ooh. He uh, didn't ask a question that involves me getting a limb severed. No, progress. there were zero questions about Ben. I think he felt bad this, about uh, that. I, I trying to kill you off. It's progress right there. Um, Take it. No on Leslie, obviously. Didn't lose a tone. No on That's Brad. Um, the only guy I might uh, give... Danny, Danny do some like bizarro that's thing. What I, yes, that, that, that that's exactly what I was going to say. Into thinking that the now, world is against him. And... Now Denny would be more on the uh, on the offense. Would have been the stalwart, and the defense might not have been. But the last Vikings coach who could have maybe bled eleven wins would be Green. You know, Denny now ha- has a bad rap here, but he did a pretty good job with some pretty okay teams. Denny won a lot with. I mean. It, <laughs> You think about that fifteen and one team. I mean, Randall Cunningham was basically out of the picture by the middle of the next season, right? I mean, yeah. And his players. There was a time where his players played for him pretty hard. Yeah, I'd say Denny. He he might have been able to now to go to the playoffs that many times with basically a different quarterback, and you know it always became the running joke of it's the system, it's the system. But he had all of these retreads, and they would make the playoffs yeah. every year. And and Zim's about to get into the same boat that Denny did, which is. You got the Vikings to the playoffs. This is great. Now are you going to win a playoff game? Because if you remember, Denny almost got fired. I want to say the miracle in the Meadowlands in 96 when the Vikings came back. Yeah. They were about to lose to the Giants, and they rallied late. And the word was if the Vikings had lost that game, he was going to be fired. And that was a guy who had made the playoffs a lot. So where Zim's about to hit an interesting patch is, hey, you won a division and you got to the playoffs. That was cool. Why aren't you in the N- NFC title game now? So, so no Mike Tice? Beep, beep, beep. What am We're I back doing? Back in the playoffs. I wish I had been there for that. I wish I had been there for that. That's one of my favorite. Like, uh, I mean, I love listening to some of the stories from like you and Mark Craig and Seifert, yeah. people that covered the team back in that era. When back in the, was uh, it bonkers. was it was the uh, girls gone wild era. It certainly. And Winter yeah. Park. And Winter Park. <laughs> That's was one of my complete, favorite stories. Winter Park was a complete train wreck of a facility. Yeah. There was. Oh. There was well, uh, weeds growing all around the place. Yeah. I'll never just forget. Just doing drugs in the or something. Line. I'll never forget the time they came back from training camp, and there was a night practice at Winter Park, and they brought in all of the big sponsors. And I'm not kidding you. Tice comes down the stairs uh, from the building, 
carrying a big cooler of beer <laughs> because it was going to be, this is for the sponsors. Right. So the head coach of an NFL team is hauling down like uh, like he's going like to a, a town team baseball game with a huge cooler of beer. I once saw Mike Tice walking through Target Field with four beers. By himself, mind you, there weren't people. Did you really? How, she, how do you? Tyson? That's one just it. Charm or I know, two? No, no, no. It was, it was, it was like four cans, but he had two oh. in each hand, one on top of the other. Big hands, I suppose. Yeah, yeah but the dude. thing is, that's not legal for one person to buy at Target Field, right? At any sporting. He's Tyson. That's what I meant. So he probably just went up and been like, "Come on, like, you, 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 come on, <laughs> just give me, give me four beers." Those were the days, Tyson. Uh, that was fun. Super Bowl tickets. Yeah, Super Bowl tickets, and well, Love and boat. To this day, I, I will say that was the mo- that's one of the most unfair things I've ever covered is that he took the fall for the love, for love boat. boat. When his players did that, he had nothing to do with it, and the Vikings... They, they had a you, press release distributed you can't, like before they got in the locker room when they won to go to 9-7 and seven in the season finale, didn't they? Well, they fired him? But yes, but you can't understand what a minor league operation that, that was at one time. When you let... When you let your head coach basically speak for what is a legal problem. Oh God! In today's era, don't you think they would throw him under the bus completely when that came out? Like when they're dumpster yes. diving and they get the receipts and it comes out, Tice would not be able to sit there. A, a head coach wouldn't because the, and he shouldn't be asked. The to. PR policy now would be: who? How do we cut bait? How do we get the can ghosts you, out of the closet? How do we get everybody in trouble? But can you imagine Mike Zimmer? Mike Zimmer having? I mean, that was the one thing with and and this this might be the final straw for it. When the Adrian Peterson thing came out and they paraded Rick Spielman up there to answer all those questions, which was a Bush League move. You don't have your GM do that. You have a lawyer do that. The second bite at the apple on the press conference when they had Mark Wilf up there and and Kevin up there, that's what you do. That's when they reinstated him. That was yes. 48 hours no, after the press conference I mean, you're talking about. Right, but yeah. that's that's yep. the smart deal. Yep. You get a lawyer up there now. That's probably part of the reason GM. Kevin Warren ended up getting a promotion, too, is that you need a guy that and can he was fine trot that. out there and do that. Yes, exactly. In crisis management situations, you don't want a football guy having your to do GM that. who drafts yeah, guys trying to, to answer. GM. No, it's not at all. We are plodding along with this mailbag. Um, Randy would like to know what happens to Joe Berger now. Could he slide to guard or be a versatile backup? Like first years team past? center at OTA. Joe Berger boys. was the starting center with John Sullivan working with the second team. Uh, Berger, I think. If John Sullivan's not healthy, Berger's your starting center. Yeah, I think so, too, unless it's uh, my deep sleeper for Mr. Mankato, Zach Karen. Is, is that who you're picking? Are no. You that, that on record? That, or are you too that scared? That is not to who I'm picking Wetmore asked He's me in April scared. to go way off the He's board sure. and say, give me some guys know, now before the draft. On, those, those are like the come ones on. where on. if I get those right, that's like – but that's like you go to the no, racetrack no, 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 and your no, no, handicapper no, 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 says, no, 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 if you want a good price. Couldn't you make 35 to 1? Hold on, hold on, hold on. If you, <laughs> if Karen Allson is the starting center because something happens, whatever, you can't take credit for it if you make a different pick here in the next couple of weeks. I, in you April, there's a Sports Over Beers there podcast. Are, we will have Wetmore on who will verify no, this. I you, picked Zach Karen before the draft. But your as latest, a deep sleeper. Your latest pick is the only one that counts. All right, then I'm not picking that right now. I'm not going to make my final pick right now. Okay, just make, then he's not picking Zach. A good case. To think about the Berger wins this job at center. He's already trying to undermine me, and Mr. Mankato. You're Could so scared of the three peat. Just admit it. I'm not scared of anything. Admit you're scared of the three peat. You're an insecure champion. <laughs> Couldn't you make a good case for that? With Berger as starter? Yeah. What are we talking about? Absolutely, the way he played. But Sullivan, he's not the starter. If, but here's the thing. They didn't mess with John Sullivan's uh, contract at all. He is still one of the highest paid people on the team at $5.8 no million with no guaranteed money. So he, like Phil Oldholt, he's probably either starting or not on the team. Interesting. And it, 
I think some of that with Sullivan yesterday is he's coming back from an injury. I think in a lot of cases they were probably leaving things the way it was last year because Joe Berger played well in John Sullivan's absence, and it, we're not going to come back in and say, oh, yeah, John Sullivan's our guy right away. So, you know, whether Judd, he you ends don't, up there. Judd doesn't look like he buys this. I just think it's – if here's what I'm curious about. If Joe Berger wins this job, and then it's going to be – And Joe just turned 34 Then the rubber old, is the going to meet the road in the Vikings' disbelief and criticism of pro football focus. Because Pro Football Focus loved Berger. Yeah, but you can no, no, they no, lo- they, no, no. Didn't they make him the forty? No, no, best they player? did, they did. Yes, and I totally disagree with it. But I think Joe was great. But the reason why their protections were so bad is because John Sullivan's brain wasn't there to point them out. I mean, there are things behind the scenes that you aren't seeing, right? But in he's hearing, coming, but he's coming off a back problem. Is my point. So you can always point to the back problem with why you're starting Joe Berger. You don't just say, ah, you're right, Pro Football Focus. Oh no, no, no. I'm just saying that it will be a nod to the fact that they do think yeah. Berger was very good. Oh, I still don't have a real. Nobody's going to tell you they they love the way he played, but he's gonna, he's thirty four years old. He just turned thirty four. I mean, John Sullivan may, might be able to give you, if healthy, four more good Zach years. Garrett. What? No, oh, you! What? Oh, you're what? still trying to push that. You know, this again, is a he, whisper from again. If he wins someone it, someone that knows about Mr. Mankato. you can't Mankato. take credit for it unless he's Mr. Mankato. Might we might have to just bury this bit just to get Gessling to stop it? I'm gonna no, it no, because he's gonna lose this year and he's shook. He is scared. He is scared. Did you pick Zach Karen? Is that what I heard? No, he no, didn't because he's backing off of it. No, I'm, no, I thought I heard that. And so that, that's your pick going in. No, listen to, so it's set in stone. Listen to the man. He's going he's gonna to back off of it. Wetmore asked me for deep sleepers in April. That was extra credit. You're bad for uh, – it's your fault for biting into his deep sleeper bait. You shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have took done me it. On a, Justin would like to know. Do another question? Justin would like to know. sweaters at South Bay yes. I swooned. Yes, Justin. Justin would like to know what is the feel from the team early on in OTAs. Let you guys good. know that question. That's pretty good. Next question. Uh, Do we have a good man. fail? Come on, Justin. We got hey, we got hey, to see I'm, one practice. Uh, the people you talk to, everybody's life. in the best shape of their life. Um, is Adrian in the best shape of his life though? That's what we want to know. Cody wants to know. Can I heavily edit this? Why haven't we had any Treadwell coverage since the start of OTAs? I can't yeah, say his name. You yeah. Pe- you people why, are, don't, why are, haven't you guys written more about people him? People are impatient. What's first he doing? Of all, we just covered the first OTA. They just started this week. Yeah. We don't get to see every snap, regardless of what Viking.com wants to tell you. And we have to be able to go in there and judge oh. something based on what we see. And what we saw was Treadwell running with the number twos and kind of held back in full team because he tweaked his ankle back in the rookie mini camp. So he can't stay healthy. Was that a Treadwell And he's not tweak? a starter. It might have been a Tweadwell tweak. See, so now I'm going to get oh, all on, you guys saying the name that way. You're all going to screw it up. Shut up. Let Judd overreact. So it's both things. He's injury prone, and he can't start. What's going on with these drafts? <laughs> what is going on? First Trey Wayne's, now Treadwell. What is up? Oh, with the Wathgally Wick. Wathgally Wick Spielman. Here's my question. <laughs> How did the quarterback get away? And I asked Gessling this on the uh, the show today. How did the quarterback get away with not having to talk to you guys yesterday? Bridgewater didn't talk. I would have. He was, he was busy at a uh, birthday party, hanging out with uh, oh, did, Obadiah. Oh, did he leave quick? Uh, well, I don't know if he left quickly, but I'm I, sure they'll give him to us next week. It's probably the, next the headliners. Talk about, I saw next a photo. Week. I saw a photo of Bridgewater. Not at all. I passing the ball, and it looked like his arm plane had was changed. Was oh, hold on. I actually, no, we did get a question about this. Another ridiculous. This is one. big. This I is love you, be, fans, man. This is going to drive. I love you. Guys. I love you, fans. Uh, we did get somebody ask. Leave us, reviews. Does uh, Bridgewater? Gosh, oh, no, I, didn't, I didn't include this one because it was so ridiculous. But since Judd brought he's it a up, frat boy, he's arrogant. Somebody did ask it was us. So ridiculous, but since Judd brought it up, <clears throat> I can see his barbed wire tattoo. Right now. 
since Judd brought it up. <laughs> somebody actually did ask. That's about, for you, guy that loves it when we derail. Somebody did ask about Teddy Bridgewater's uh, arm point release and if yeah. we could tell he had a new one or not. Yeah, someone actually tweeted a photo of it. Oh, who did? I missed I this. I saw it yesterday. I don't know. Come I just on, saw call it. him out. I you know f- who it was. Oh, no, 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 I don't. No, no, no. Oh, it was it, like some fan? It was, yeah, like some oh, fan, okay. and it, they saw it. I thought there was a media member, actually. No, no, it wasn't. Um, Yeah, man. No. Uh, it's hard. Change. Him throwing against air. Um, but I, had they changed the release point? I didn't compare photos of his practices between the years, so I, I'm not entirely sure. Let's we'll do get, that for next week. We'll get one more question in. One more question in. All right. Go ahead. How's Teddy looking? Is that really the question? Yeah, I actually thought I had another one. And when I pulled no. it up, that was like the only other one too. in there. Well, he threw a pick yesterday. I guess he got tipped, but he did. Captain Munlin tipped it. Captain, Captain. Eric, Eric, Eric Kendricks tipped it. Captain Munlin picked Woo! it. Yeah. All right, that's very exciting. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged or Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.